Welcome to the Change Healthcare Podcast. I'm Rich Levin. Today we're talking about reinventing the health system for the digital age. And with me today are four special guests, Tom Swanson from Adobe, Kathleen McGrow from Microsoft, Paul Ketchell from MD Save, and Bill Krause from Change Healthcare. And before we get started, I'd like to go around the table and ask all of our special guests to introduce themselves, tell us a little bit about what they do at their organization, what their teams do, what's their mission, and a little bit about their career background, too. How did you get from there to here in terms of reinventing the health system for the digital age? Why don't we start with Tom Swanson from Adobe? Thanks, Rich. As the head of industry strategy and marketing at Adobe for health and life sciences, my team's goal is to bring the best practices, experience, and tool sets that we've developed in delivering consumer experiences in other industries to bring that into the health and life sciences space. So as healthcare consumers begin to expect engagements like they have in other industries, that's where my team comes in and we have the opportunity to deploy what's been done elsewhere into healthcare. I've been with Adobe three years. I come from a medical device and pharmaceutical background, was actually an Adobe customer for a number of years. So I have the, the practical experience of understanding what it takes to deploy consumer experience technology in a highly regulated space. Thanks for that, Tom. Kathleen, you're up. Hi, Rich. Thanks. I'm Kathleen McGrow. I'm the Chief Nursing Information Officer for the Microsoft Health and Life Science Industry Team. So I cover the United States. I work with organizations on the innovative use of technology to support digital transformation imperatives, consumer engagement, and provider enablement. My background is I'm a trauma critical care nurse. I have my master's in nursing informatics and my doctoral degree in evidence-based practice, which really comes in handy when I'm working with customers utilizing data analytics and artificial intelligence in order to improve their performance, their patient experience, and their provider experience. It's all about transformation of new care models and paradigms. Thanks for that, Kathleen. Paul. This is Paul Ketchell. I'm the founder and CEO of MD Save. It's a consumer healthcare transaction marketplace. My background prior to building MD Save was I worked in health policy on Capitol Hill in the U.S. Senate in health and technology policy. And then after that, I was part of several um, healthcare startups um, in the in the technology and uh, biotechnology spaces. Great. Thanks for that, Paul. And Bill Krauss. Hi, I'm Bill Krause. I'm head of experience solutions for Change Healthcare, and my team really focuses on helping our customers, our provider and payer customers, realize value from digital transformation. And we partner very closely with companies like Microsoft and Adobe and healthcare innovator companies like MD Save. And my background has really been focused on how to bring innovation and make and realize the value of that through uh, operational transformation, through service operations, and the variety of components around uh, implementing great new technology that's necessary to, to be sustainable and for our customers and their customers to realize value. Fantastic. Thank you very much, all. And before we get into talking about reinventing the health system for the digital age, 
Tell us a little bit about the event in New York City today. We're recording this in the Big Apple at Microsoft's offices in New York City. What's the purpose of the event? Who's attending? What are attendees getting out of it? Let's set the stage for the listeners why we're all gathered here today beyond the topic we'd like to talk about. Anyone can take that. Sure, I'll be happy to provide some comments. We've got a great event today here where we're bringing together a variety of uh, players in in industry representing health systems, uh, life science, um, different components of healthcare. And our agenda is to uh, really dig into consumer digital transformation, different ways to create value with that, starting points, some barriers and other challenges and and it's a forum that are uh, that stakeholders can talk through the issues understand the priorities share best practices learn from each other and hear from a great set of companies that are on the forefront of digital transformation we're talking about reinventing the health system for the digital age the digital age is I don't know, is it midlife at this point? Where are we at in the digital age? When did the digital age start? You could argue it started in 1995 when Microsoft put a browser into the operating system. Or you could even argue it started earlier when the first PC shipped. Or you can, let's take it all the way back to ENIAC, right? But here we are in 2019. We're recording this conversation in October of 2019. And we're talking about reinventing the health system for the digital age. Why are we reinventing it now? Shouldn't it have been reinvented a while ago? What is happening? Why now? Why have an event like this at this time? Why is this a hot issue today as opposed to last year, two years ago, 10 years ago? Why does healthcare need to be reinvented for the digital age today? And why are we late? Well, Rich, I, you asked a lot of questions over <laughs> there. That's, called a com- right. that's a compound question. Yeah. I honestly think the digital age... Uh, from the consumer perspective, uh, you know, like like we, those of us in the room and those of us listening, um, think about our digital experiences started in 2007 with the advent of the smartphone, with the iPhone, right, where we were no longer tethered to a machine or a desktop and had the opportunity to start to kind of interact with the internet or interact with digital experiences uh, on the go. Uh, That's when it started to change in my opinion. Now, why are we doing this event today? It's because I think all of us would agree that the healthcare industry um, have been digital laggards, right? Uh, And really it was, they never really had to adopt the rapid change that we've seen in other industries. There was just this expectation on the part of the consumer that when you engaged with your healthcare ecosystem, it was going to be very different uh, from when you perhaps engaged with a retail provider or a financial services and banking provider, right? There's this expectation on the part of the consumer that uh, you know, the experience is not going to be convenient for you. It's going to be somewhat confusing, perhaps frightening. Uh, it's going to be disconnected, uh, you know, from other things that you do. Um, and because of those expectations, right, that the, the, your engagement with the healthcare system was going to be at the convenience of the doctor versus necessarily at your convenience, um, 
the healthcare industry was not pushed right to adopt the digital access points that other industries were pushed to adopt earlier. And I think what we're seeing in healthcare now is that finally healthcare consumers are beginning to demand that they have digital experiences, digital access points, the ability to self-serve um, and make informed, engaged, connected healthcare decisions, right? Where they where they they want to be proactive consumers and proactive managers of their wellness versus uh, you know just a passive um, participant in the healthcare system. Those expectations and those demands, right, that that were seeded in other industries, are starting to bleed over into healthcare, um, and it's forcing healthcare companies to start to pay attention to consumer demands and consumer experiences like they've never had to before. I agree with you. I was actually, as a nurse in the late 80s, I was utilizing electronic health records in the very early stages. So I think over the last 30 years, we've seen healthcare providers especially start to digitize. And I think that I totally agree that there is this expectation now we have this consumerization of healthcare, right? So back in the, you know, when the phone became more prevalent. But I think that healthcare in general has been laggards. It's taken them a while to roll out, get their data digitized. Now their data is getting digitized. We also have regulatory interventions that are going on around saying that we need to have our patients have accessibility to their electronic health record. It's not like the old days where you walk in and you ask for a paper copy and then you walk out with it. Now there's a whole process around it and because everything is digitized. And then I think that we're kind of moving across the continuum of informatics where you go from data to information, to knowledge, to wisdom, and we're getting closer to the wisdom side of it. And therefore, we're kind of seeing this convergence of retail consumerization and healthcare, and how can we better provide the data and the information that our patients need at the point in time that they need it, and they have demand for it now. Anyone else want to take a stab at that? I have a follow-up that we can keep rolling, but if you want to weigh in on that initial question, feel free to. Yeah, this is Paul Ketchell. Um, you know, at MD Save, we've processed more direct consumer healthcare transactions um, to date than any other company in the country. And I can tell you that we have a unique perspective on it. And I would say that there's, you know, sort of three things that have really, um, I think, held back this revolution. The first was for the early decades of this, of digital, of digital health experience, most of the products that were being designed and built were um, being designed and built on the on the payer side or the insurance side and, the, and that type of engagement. And, um, and those products weren't really focused um, to be consumer friendly. They weren't, it was not consumer friendly software that wasn't replicated. So I think there was one issue where patients didn't want to use those type of products or engage with them. Um, secondly, I think, which is a, a really big issue on why we're seeing this happen today versus, say, five years ago, is the change in healthcare plan design. Um, if you were to go back in time five years ago, most people were on an 80-20 health plan, and they just really weren't responsible for a whole lot of their healthcare cost. And with the change into high-deductible health plans, out-of-pocket plan designs, and the rapid adoption of those plans, for the first time, consumers really have a big stake in the cost of their healthcare, and now they're wanting to pay attention and utilize those tools, and they're craving that um, additional information, making those decisions, which is really driving a lot of this consumerization side um, as you're looking at it. 
And then I think, you know, the, the third thing I would say about it too is um, I think just the natural evolution in this country and e-commerce has changed the way people think about purchasing things that are very personalized. So, you know, we're talking about, you know, there was always this belief that healthcare was something that was too unique or too personal to, to uh, make a purchase online or look at something like that. But, you know, if we go back in time, you know, say 12, 15 years ago, the idea of buying a car online was very foreign or some of these other largest or, or shopping for your home online was a foreign idea. And now you're seeing that happen everywhere. So I think also just the natural e-commerce evolution we're seeing in the country has made healthcare seem as a, a viable purchase option also. And I think that coupled with the fact that now the patients are sharing a lot of that healthcare cost burden themselves, that's also driving the consumerization where we didn't have those incentives aligned years ago. You know, I would add, on that point, Paul, I think there's a lot of people that, that look at the role of the consumer in healthcare and, and relative to the role of the insurance company or the provider, they say the decisions that that individual makes, um, you know, have, have a smaller impact in terms of the amount of spend and, and other factors. But I think the other thing to look at here is, you know, there are a lot of new entrants that are pioneering consumer-driven tech-enabled care delivery models. There's a tremendous amount of capital going into these disruptors and the, the employers that are that are bringing the benefits plans to, to their employees and members. They're driving a big push here. So we're seeing this come from multiple directions. And I think what we're seeing is some major stakeholders that can drive powerful change in relatively quick periods of time that, that are going to really push this transformation in a way that wasn't true, you know, a few years ago. So isn't it true that we talk about the consumerization of this or the consumerization of that, and what I'm hearing is really that healthcare, and we know this to be true, is an irrational market, has been an irrational market for a long time. It's becoming more rational when you look at things like high deductible health plans. But the market forces also and, and feel free to disagree with me, but this is my take. The market forces also have been different than they were in retail, in banking, in finance, in auto sales. Those are direct-to-consumer, direct-to-buyer relationships where new applications had a direct one-to-one -one connection with whoever that vendor was. Whereas in healthcare, you might have had and you have a direct relationship with your physician, but an indirect relationship with your health system. And high deductible health plans, the theory of getting more skin in the game, causing consumers to be motivated to take more control of their digital health. That's the operational theory. And now that pressure is starting to be applied to providers. And so would it be true or accurate to say that, or to answer the question of why haven't providers been able to adapt as quickly to consumerization as other markets have, and payers as well, by the way, because these market forces were really different. Irrational market versus rational market. All these rational markets have moved very quickly on consumerization. Gartner coined that term, what was it, in the 90s? And predicted what was going to be happening. And here we are again. I get back to the, my original question in 2019. And we're now seeing the market opportunity for companies like Adobe, Microsoft, MD Save, Change Healthcare, and all the providers and payers that we serve. Suddenly that demand is coming to us and they're saying, we need help. Is that an accurate assessment? I, I would say that's an accurate uh, assessment. I would also say that, um, 
you're, you're hitting the nail on the head, which was if you go back in the past, it wasn't just that it was an irrational market. But I would say, again, the incentives were not aligned for this for this type of revolution to happen, meaning that, you know, until um, providers and payers were being impacted by patient satisfaction or by bad debt or out of pocket rising costs, there was a lot of incentives to keep the old system in place. You had a lot of intermediaries from, you know, EHRs to RCMs to debt collectors to early out companies that sat in the middle of transactions who who actually benefited from an inefficient um, market. And today what you're seeing happen is what's really driving this change is now you're seeing providers being impacted directly by consumers having to collect payment from consumers and how they um, go about that. And you're seeing payers impacted directly on how consumers, the, the satisfaction consumers have or do not have in plan designs and payment and collections. And, um, and then you're seeing that come across to other vendors too, where the consumer is just demanding more of that information. And uh, I think that's really a function that um, the market has moved and is becoming a more rational market. But again, I think, you know, um, it's getting those incentives aligned, which were always there in other industries. And I think now you're seeing providers knowing that in order to keep providing good service and have patient satisfaction, you need to engage those patients properly. Yeah, and to that point, it's the sponsors of healthcare. So from the consumer side, as you referenced, Paul, but also from the employer side. Again, the employers are seeing dramatic productivity issues and they're connecting the dots when patients, when their employees have healthcare expenses and other factors that have a major detriment to their ability to be productive and employers are not sitting still on this. So these sponsors of healthcare are driving this change as well. Yeah, and if I may, Rich, I want to touch upon um, the other side of the market forces, which is, and Bill alluded to it earlier, which is you've got these non-traditional kind of healthcare players coming into the space. Um, because, you know, when you think about it, right, you, you've got companies like Amazon and, and then Google is investing more in health technology than any other segment of the economy. Um, you've got, uh, you know, five years ago, you couldn't imagine a uh, joint partnership between the likes of Amazon and J.P. Morgan and Berkshire Hathaway uh, deciding to undertake uh, turning health insurance on its head and redefining that business model, right? So you, what you're seeing here is companies that have mastered consumer experience seeing an opportunity in the healthcare space, right? Because healthcare has been such a laggard when it comes to a directly addressing consumer demands, right? There are opportunities for these other companies that have already mastered it to kind of get a piece of the healthcare pie, which we all know here in the United States is absolutely massive. Um, and so in addition to, right, changes in, uh, you know, regulatory changes, um, you know, that uh, Paul alluded to, where you've got consumers that have more skin in the game, right? You've got changes to the employer side, like Bill mentioned, and now you've got changes to the market side, right? Where all of these things are pressing healthcare companies to adopt a new model or a new paradigm in how they engage with their consumers. And there's one more point um, that I'd like to make, right? We were talking about 
how healthcare is a uh, ecosystem of e intermediaries, right? Where you might have, uh, as a consumer, you have direct interaction with your provider, uh, perhaps with your payer. Another thing that that's been interesting to watch is companies like pharmaceutical companies or even medical device companies, um, of course, the insurance companies, attempting to establish that direct-to-consumer engagement. Um, you know, by providing services and education and materials kind of beyond the pill, specifically for pharmaceutical companies, right? You've got pharmaceutical companies that are providing kind of healthcare circles, right? And communities where people with uh, common conditions can get together and talk to each other and, and help each other. And these are being sponsored by pharmaceutical companies, right? So there's this sense that if you can engage the consumer directly and become part of that inner circle of trusted care, right? It doesn't matter if you're a pharmaceutical company or a device company or an insurance company. If you are providing uh, digital access points, you're providing uh, uh, relative and personalized and uh, uh, you know, targeted information that is of value to the consumer, you can capture the consumer directly and no longer rely on intermediaries to do that for you. So we've really established what's driving the evolution of the patient into a digital health consumer. A lot of market forces that are coming together to bring us to this pre, I'll call it pre-tipping point, right? I don't, we haven't tipped, but there's a lot of forces coming together and a lot of change that is happening and needs to happen. I want to talk about the specific technologies and concepts that can help healthcare reinvent the health system for the digital age. But before we get to those specifics, I would like to know how big is the gap right now? Where are we on that reinvention continuum? Uh, where specifically are providers struggling to adapt? Are they just starting to wake up? Where are we at on that continuum? How far to the left of the bell curve of reinvention? If the far right is, we're there and we have this, and I've heard several of you talk about this concept of the orchestrated journey. So let's say that that is real on the far right of the bell curve. Where are we on that bell curve today? And when I say we, I'm talking providers. So Rich, I don't know that we can do an answer specifically and speak to everyone because obviously there's a curve. There's like the bleeding cutting edge that are very far advanced. And then there's the laggards that are waiting to see what's going on. I speak with a lot of C-suite and strategic level folks within organizations, and they're trying to get ahead of it. It's very difficult to get ahead of because of all the industry pressures around all of this change. If I sum it up, it's really that the buying control has changed from the strength of the employers and the plans to the individual consumers. And then there's competition, and it's essentially gone global as Tom suggested, as well as, you know, we know that there's a lot of the pharma organizations are actually looking at in their retail, putting in a footprint. They were, they had footprints and they left and now they're coming back. Third, there's really a shift to be proactive as a health provider and make it into economies of scale. We're looking at things such as telehealth. Our regulatory was actually behind. If you look at the global market for telehealth, it has been many, many years. I have a background in 
about ambulatory telehealth, and in, uh, especially in the European Union, it was covered for many, many years prior to the U.S. kind of jumping on that. So we're a little behind there through the causes of regulatory. So this is all kind of driving care management towards a turning point. But I think in general, or if you talk to organizations, they would say they feel behind because they haven't either gotten out of the gate or they're very slowly getting out of the gate with this realization around consumerization. And they're trying to come up with their strategy. And it is a strategy. It's not just something that you can deploy. You have to really think about it very thoughtfully and really understand it and deploy it throughout your entire organization. And some of these organizations are very, very large and have multiple organizations across the U.S., so they're struggling at best to come up with these types of strategies. I would say there's a quote by this fellow, William Gibson, and it goes something like, the future is here, it's just not evenly distributed. So I think that's very relevant for as we think about healthcare here and, and some of these models that we referenced before. You know, we've done, as Change Healthcare, we've made a big investment in ethnographic and user-centered design research. And despite the prevalence now of new tools and point solutions to help in finding care and digital scheduling and, and the like, just from a consumer technology standpoint, the, the big three-ish friction points remain finding care, searching, understanding out-of-pocket costs, pricing, scheduling, receiving care, and really from an empathy standpoint, and paying for care and, and the convenience and confidence associated with that. And these issues remain um, top of mind and unsolved for the industry as a whole. Anyone else want to take a stab at that in terms of putting a pin on where we are on the continuum? I mean, there has to be some sort of gravity well here, some sort of aggregate of where the industry is at. And those who are investing now and investing aggressively are, in theory, investing in a competitive edge. They're going to learn more now. They're going to move ahead of the industry faster. They will, in theory, stay ahead of the industry while everybody's playing catch-up. They will have a competitive market advantage with consumers if they're moving now versus perhaps where the bulk of the industry is at. I realize it's a complex industry and there are dots all over the scatter graph, but there's also going to be a cluster of where healthcare is at in terms of reinventing the health system for the digital age. What we're trying to do here is help the listeners, the providers in this audience, understand or fixate on where their organization might be and what the risk is. Yeah, this is uh, Paul Ketchell again. I, I would say this. Um, we have seen, you know, we are, our, our company works directly with large um, integrated health networks and health systems around the country. And we're, you know, seven of the 10 largest health systems. And I can tell you our personal experience, we've seen a tremendous shift in just the last 18 months. And I think what's been driving it is, you know, there was always a view that these services were needed. We needed to make a move this way um, in the, on the provider side. But um, as we talked about before, you had early adopters on one side and you had the laggards on the other. And I think what was holding a lot of this back in many health systems was there was a, there was a big fear that um, if we move to consumerization, then everyone's going to know our prices. And if everyone knows our prices through transparency, then provider revenues are going to go down. And if revenues go down, what's that going to do to the health system? So there's been a lot of resistance and in just change in general. But I think what we're seeing that's changing now is we're finding that if you want to collect from patients who have responsibilities, you've got to give them this type of experience and information in order to be successful. And that's become a really big deal in the last um, year specifically. And, uh, and I think also what you see happening on the regulatory side and, and transparency and some of these things are now sort of um, 
pull back the curtain a little bit, and I think most of your large organizations realize that, okay, we knew this was going to happen, but now we're here. Everyone's going to know these prices. So how do we do embrace this and make the best experience happen? And, you know, really one of the interesting things that we've seen um, in these direct-to-consumer transactions is that even though we're getting um, transparency and patients are having a choice and we're getting a better upfront rate for a, a patient from the provider, we're finding that using technologies, just like in other industries, you're improving efficiencies, you're improving collections. We found that actually providers are getting a higher net collection rate while patients are getting better pricing. And those models, now there's a lot of data that's being gathered around those models that we're, that, um, we're able to demonstrate. And you're seeing providers say that, you know, we would rather have patients um, purchase this way. And, I, and one thing that I think is really unique about this, and I think is a big driver that we've seen is that we survey all patients who make an online transaction purchase for healthcare, and there's a 91 MPS or net promoter score in patient satisfaction that we've maintained for four years on those patients. And the same health systems and providers were having MPSs in the 20s to 30s, and many of the health plans had a negative MPS. And what it's showing is that there's a huge gap there on how patients are wanting to consume their healthcare and how that healthcare is being provided to them. And I think that the economic factors that are changing are starting to drive this adoption much quicker. But I would say if I was going to cap it, I would say we're right on the tipping point of the curve right now because um, we've been in this a little while and we've seen for the first time really in the last 18 months, um, many more provider organizations engaged, much larger organizations engaged in taking um, a lot more aggressive stance on trying to move into this. But I think it's mostly being driven by the financial scenarios surrounding these members, which is, you know, I think also what drove these other industries to adopt. You know, Paul, just to build on that, and this is Bill, price transparency is a foundational element here to this overall transformation and the work that MBSAVE is doing to to bring that capability and make it uh, very understandable for patients is will remain and, and will become a very large part of this transformation. But the statistics on this are, are interesting. Yale Institute for uh, Social and Policy Studies came out with a research recently that said the average patient passes by six lower cost facilities on their way to receive care. And now we can argue that's because they're not aware of that. There could be a variety of factors. But when you look outside of healthcare and you look at how consumers make buying decisions, we all know that price is only one component of the overall decision. And the reality is it's a number of other factors that relate to quality and value that those consumers are looking for. To bring that back to the digital transformation, those companies that have really achieved outsized growth outside of healthcare, and you think about examples like Rocket Mortgage, that, or you think of other examples, what they've done is they've simplified and streamlined the multiple steps in a journey to access and pay for that product or service. So they've taken a holistic look at that journey. They brought it together and radically improved that. So it's the minimum amount of effort that that consumer needs to go through to access exactly what they want. And so let's take that back to healthcare then. And we think about these major friction points of finding care, understanding their out-of-pocket, patients' out-of-pocket responsibility, booking appointments, receiving care, registering. There's so many friction points here that need to be brought together and simplified and streamlined through more of an orchestrated experience. 
So let's talk about that. Let's drill into that a little bit because you've taken it right to where my next question was, which I want to get into the specific consumer technologies that can improve the patient experience. And I also want to hear about how those technologies or what impact those technologies will have on providers. And the panel has just shared a couple of those, and I think that's really important. But also tie that to this notion of the, quote, unquote, orchestrated journey, because you can have your point solutions and you're going to put a portal out there and, oh, we're engaging consumers. But you're talking about something much bigger and much more elegant and sophisticated and, frankly, much more focused on looking at the consumer as any other industry would, right? You talk about the buyer journey in retail. You talk about the patient journey in healthcare, and yet there is this lack of that unified patient experience. It's very fragmented. So can we dive into that? What are the specific consumer technologies that can improve the patient experience? How do those technologies impact the provider organization? And what do you mean when you talk about you being everybody on this panel? What do you mean when you talk about the orchestrated journey, quote unquote? Yeah, Rich, I think that's a great question. Um, in respect to the technology, right, the consumer technology, ultimately, I think it comes down to, and, uh, you know, Bill was hitting this point, utilizing technology to streamline the process, right, to increase access points to increase convenience, uh, increase transparency, and then streamline the process of getting from kind of acquiring information, uh, making a buying decision, and then, you know, being retained as a happy customer, right? And if you think about that journey that I just defined, right, where it's acquiring a customer, uh, delivering to a customer and then keeping a customer, right? That is the same business model that any business in any industry has, right? And healthcare ultimately is no different. It's just the delivery of the product or service, um, you know, is health related and has the gravity and the consequences of uh, being health related. But the the, the fundamental model of acquisition, delivery, and retention um, is the same as any business, right? And so then it's how do you apply the, the digital technologies that are available today in other businesses to healthcare? And I think it comes down to two fundamental things when, it, when, when you're talking about delivering a better experience to the healthcare consumer. And that is personalization, and then delivery on the promise of personalization. And how do you do that? You do that with data and you do it with content, right? You can boil it down to, to, to those two things in particular, right? Now, content is a very big bucket, right? What, is, what does content mean? Well, it can be pricing, right? It can be benefits coverage. It can be educational materials. Um, and then using the data that you have about your particular patient or member or customer um, in order to deliver to them the content that they're looking for via the channel where they're looking and have that content be personalized specifically to them and to their needs. To go back to Bill's example, 
of Rocket Mortgage, right? Or you can think about things like, uh, you know, I'm sure uh, every single one of us that's, uh, you know, on the panel or in the audience today um, has utilized uh, like a hotel app like Marriott or an application for an airline like Delta. Um, those are nothing more really than glorified mobile <laughs> you know, customer portals, right? The thing is, it's when you log into those applications, right? The, the, the content that's being delivered to you is personalized specifically to you, given your habits, your preferences, um, you know, your, your purchasing past. Um, and that's why I love the example that Bill gave of Rocket Mortgage. So it's like when you enter into the, the, the Rocket Mortgage app, right, you're in your own private personal portal, right, where you're starting, um, you know, every time you engage the app, you're starting at your own point in your personal journey, as opposed to having to start over, which I think is one of the, the biggest friction points that consumers have in healthcare is this notion of, well, every time I go to a doctor, whether it's the same doctor or the new doctor, um, you know, the, there's the same questions of, well, has your insurance changed? What's your medical history? You know, and you spend 20 minutes and I, you know, I can attest to it personally, you build like 20 or 30 minutes into the beginning of your appointment in order to fill out all the paperwork that you're going to, you know, in order to bring um, your provider up to date on what your personal circumstances are. And so there's an opportunity there, right, for this personalized patient portal, right, to be dynamic, to utilize the data that the provider and the insurance company and anyone else that's engaged in the, uh, the ecosystem of that individual, right, to collate all the data, orchestrate all the data, and deliver a personalized experience that is unique to that individual. And I think that's where you're going to start to see the increase in value um, that, uh, uh, you know, drives decision making beyond price transparency. It's am I getting the experience that I want, when I want it, and how I want it, right? That's, that's going to contribute to uh, purchasing decisions just as much, if not more, than pricing transparency. So I think you made a really good point, Tom. I think that the millennial generation, that's just their expectation. It's everything they use every day, every app they use. Um, but I also, um, as I said previously, I have a background in ambulatory telehealth where I actually worked with patients with a lot of comorbidities that were in their 70s, 80s, 90s. And we put devices in their homes and they were certainly capable once they had the training of learning how to use those types of devices. And one of the one of the real ads for telehealth was that they could do video visits with the nurse and they really actually uptook on that um, technology tremendously because it gave them a level of comfort that someone was actually watching them. So, and I think given that um, generationally, we see as the baby boomers move up the scale, they're starting to utilize their devices more and more because they want to communicate with their family and they understand the value of having that type of a video chat. So I think that the, um, the capabilities that 
where essentially for all these other, you brought up uh, Marriott, I can get my key on my phone and I don't even have to stop at the desk anymore. So it's all about the experience. It's all about the convenience, the flexibility. Um, and that's very important to, I think, all generations. So it's not even what I would call a generational gap. I think that we still have a long way to go. Um, but I think specifically for millennials, it's their current expectation. I would actually add on to that, right? I mean, I continue to be surprised, regrettably surprised by the fact that I now fall into that 55 plus uh, demographic block, right? And yet I think I'm pretty technologically savvy, right? And where my first thinking, right, is, um, you know, I'm going to go online to research uh, a symptom or go online to research uh, diagnoses, right? Um, and we actually uh, co-authored a white paper with the consultancy earlier this year that showed about 85% of the population across demographic groups does that, right? Where they go online first, right? And so if you're thinking that that's kind of the default status of, I, I'm going to research, I'm going to gather information, and I'm going to start the decision-making process by what I find online, right? That's, that's where the opportunity lies in terms of providing the relevant content and trying to personalize that initial experience where if you can, if you can provide that level of personalization and provide a delightful experience to your potential customer um, as a healthcare provider, then you're going a long way towards, you know, capturing that customer. And even though they might pass six, right, locations that could provide the same care at a lower cost, they're willing to spend the additional money in order to get the better experience. You know, you know and to that to that point, Tom, I think if we look forward, one of the scenarios we see playing out and which has come up in our discussions today is that e-commerce approach to healthcare and that framework and, and really uh, the role that Paul's organization, MD Save, is, is driving as a key enabler for that experience and that transactable price. But that e-commerce framework, we just see that taking off because if you look at the data around, um, for example, physician referral and the influence of physician referral on patient decision-making and choice, so back to your point, Tom, around starting to, uh, research through the internet, you know, that referral influence is going down dramatically with the younger generations. And so, you know, that's a problem in, in different respects, but it's, in, but it's also a, a trend that needs to be recognized. And how do these solutions and these frameworks around e-commerce, that it isn't just the transaction, although that's a critical piece given all the frustration around the patient financial experience, but all the other components from that journey standpoint that bring together the steps that patients need to go through with a minimum of effort. So you talked about the e-commerce framework and we talked about the orchestrated journey and I'd like to drill into what we mean by orchestration more. Can somebody on the panel give our listeners an example or a comparative example of what would an e-commerce orchestrated journey look like? Because that's something everybody can relate to. And then what's the analog in healthcare? I was at an Adobe conference a couple of months ago. One of the sessions I attended, they were talking about in a retail 
context. Driving down the road, I'm passing one of my favorite stores. I get a text message just as I pass it. I look at my phone and it says, by the way, that mechanical keyboard that you've been eyeing for six months is now on sale 50% off. Well, of course, I pull over right away and I go to the store. What's the orchestrated journey look like? What are the channels being used? What's the sequencing of that, if it can even be sequenced? Seems to me that it would be asynchronous, ultimately, although some sort of synchronous aspect to it. There's a beginning, middle, and end, I guess, if you're not feeling well, right, and you need a doctor. But then there's other parts of that experience that may be asynchronous. What does it look like? Somebody paint the picture for me and for the listeners, comparatively, what does that orchestrated experience look like in retail versus not even necessarily versus, but complementary uh, example in healthcare. You know, uh, we've seen it a few different ways. So one thing I think that's interesting is if you look at the providers, providers really know their patients and providers generally want to help their patients. And so what's been interesting that we've seen is um, at MD Save, you know, we have a full e-commerce site where anyone can go on and search for a medical condition and then see different providers and choose that. And, you know, that's about 30% of the patients that we're, we're getting are coming through that, um, as uh, Tom had mentioned, internet journey where they're doing that search and they're acquiring, and we're acquiring those customers that way. But I think what's more interesting about that is that about, you know, a little over half of our patients are being provider directed, meaning that a patient has entered the integrated health network somewhere, they've seen a provider and the provider knows this is Mr. Smith and Mr. Smith really needs to go get an MRI on his knee. And I know from an eligibility check that I just read on Change Healthcare's Rails that Mr. Smith has a $5,000 deductible. He's chewed up 500 of it. And this MRI could be could be $5,000 or $2,500 for him. Or I can suggest to him to use this transparency tool we have and make a purchase for $600. And, you know, the providers driving that patient to do that because, number one, it's a better patient experience to the providers generally know their patients. They know that those costs are going to be burdensome to those certain individuals, and they're giving them an option to purchase. And then the provider also knows that if Mr. Smith goes ahead and gets this MRI instead of going home and worrying about cost and, and making a longer-term decision, we can get him diagnosed faster. We can get him back in here faster, which is a better health outcome for the patient, but it's also a better outcome uh, for the provider because – we might, be able, we might be doing a surgery down the road from a financial standpoint. And either way, we're, we're moving patients down the care continuum sooner. Uh, when we look at a traditional healthcare you know, journey, that same patient may show up at the provider. And in, if you were to go back in time, say five, six years ago, where everyone had an 80-20 health plan, the provider would say, oh, Mr. Smith, you need an MRI. And they would say, go over here. And Mr. Smith just goes over there. But when you change what's happened today is, most of those providers have that out-of-pocket plan design. They have a big cost. So Mr. Smith is told, you need to go get an MRI. And the first question that comes into Mr. Smith's mind is, how much is that going to cost me? And then they turn around and ask the provider, how much is that going to cost? So the provider can only give them a cost estimator. It's not usually very accurate. And then the patient is sort of left to their own demises or devices in that system. And they got to go home and think, how much, you know, um, they call the health plan and get a usually get the same cost estimator. Where am I going to go? Should I go anywhere? And often we've seen that it's not only patients um, paying more, but also just not accessing the care altogether. And that's one of the things you can solve, I think, in, in the digital health consumer experience. One thing I think it's important about the experience we've sort of touched on, you know, there's transparency, there's scheduling, 
there's better there's a better end-to-end consumer experience in general that you can serve up in these tools but i would say there's another really important aspect that we didn't talk about which is lost in i would say the traditional healthcare system that we really have an opportunity to improve in digital experience and that's just the patient or member um, education about the process at the time that they're accessing care and what i mean by that is one thing that i always tell i talk to providers about quite often i said there's something we really lose track of in the member's journey in the traditional healthcare experience. If a patient shows up for us, you know, stats will show you that the average American has less than $2,500 in their bank account at any time. Many of those Americans also have a $5,000 deductible now. When a patient has an unexpected healthcare episode occur, they're going to come into the provider. They might get treated and, um, and the patient doesn't know, is that going to cost me $500, $2,500, $5,000, $6,000? And what, when are they going to find out what that's going to cost them? So what happens is, as providers, we see the patient, the patient gets treated, and we think if we had a good outcome, there wasn't an infection and so forth, we're good. But what we don't understand is that those patients go home, and as they're waiting for the bills to come in, they're waiting for the EOBs, they constrain their entire household spending for six months. So it doesn't just impact that patient, it impacts their whole family, it impacts the journey goes on long after the healthcare episode. And so what we can do with that patient today in digital engagement is we can bring them and say, this is, you can come into that portal and know, okay, here was your eligibility check. You have a $5,000 deductible. You've chewed up a thousand of that. That means you got $4,000 worth of cost. It's the maximum you're going to pay on this particular episode. And by the way, here's a, here's a, a price you can get that at different providers. Here's the quality scores of those providers. And we can file your claim. And by the way, your employer also gives you a $500 FSA. And after you spend that, um, after you, and you got $2,000 in an HSA account, if you spend that first, we can tell you how to do that then you could use this FSA account. And so it's also about just teaching patients how they should be consuming their healthcare and how they can purchase in addition to making a, having a better experience. And that's what's really been missing for the last 30 years is that everyone goes in there and you hand over your insurance card and your driver's license and then it's a black box. And, it, and it's even a black box for healthcare administrators that I know. When their own, pay, when their own family members are getting service, they're at home trying to make sense out of the EOBs. And so that's where I think digital experience really changes things for the patient compared to the existing system that's in place. So Paul, you went a different route than I was thinking. Uh, the nurse and me, and you know, I think of moms out there, something happens to their child, their child is sick. They wanna have the ability for a very flexible, seamless entry into care. Is there ability of perhaps a chat bot that they can chat with their provider or get online and say, you know, uh, my child fell and hurt their ankle. Where's the best place to take them at this point in time? And then you should be able to understand if it's in network or out of network. Because my understanding is the out of network is where folks really get fleece as far as financially because they don't understand that. But then if there is something as low entry as such a thing as a chat bot, the mom can chat, find out where to take the child, when they take the child, understand where they need to go, and then I think at that point decide where am I gonna have an x-ray taken if I need an x-ray of, of this ankle. So I think for when I'm looking at it, it's really looking at experientially what's convenient for me, 
what's in my network, how do I understand the next steps to take place, and how can we help patients when they're really at their most vulnerable because they've had an injury or they're sick. So they really need help and we have to be able to give it to them. And part of that is that patient experience and understanding what their needs are. And Kathleen, I think you hit upon a really important point, right? Which is, and it dovetails nicely with what Paul was saying, is make sure that you're taking advantage of the all of the potential connection points, right? All of the potential access points uh, to your customer, whether they are digital or not, right? Uh, you know, digital, analog, or online, or offline. Um, just making sure that you're delivering a personalized experience, a connected experience that um, travels right from channel to channel throughout the journey with that customer, right? I mean, one of the kind of the classic disconnect points is when maybe you've engaged with a provider or with your insurance company online, and then you get to a question or an issue where you feel compelled to pick up the phone. And now the people that you're talking to on the phone have no idea, right, what you've already done, what you've already looked at, what you've already experienced online. So right there is an opportunity to, to create a much better experience by just passing the data between the phone center and the, the website or the, the, the patient portal so that you've got that kind of seamless transition from offline to online or both, right? And so when you mention chatbots, right? We've mentioned uh, telemedicine. Um, we've mentioned patient portals. Um, we've mentioned kind of, uh, you know, brick and mortar access points as well as digital access points. I think one of the keys to truly providing a delightful customer experience is, is connecting all of those access points and making sure that uh, you know that you're utilizing what you know about your customer to, to to deliver a seamless journey through all of those access points, uh, and, and that's a a significant opportunity for improvement in uh, the healthcare space is that connectivity between the different places that you engage your uh, service providers. Paul talked about data. Paul's presentation on this point was very data-driven. Kathleen's was experiential from the perspective of the mother. And Tom, you're talking about connecting. And I'd like to just bring in what you talked about earlier, Tom, which is the content piece. Because, for example, let's talk about GPS. You tell me if this plays a role. But I'm walking in for my KUB x-ray. And as I go in the door, I could get a text message that tells me that I need to turn right and go down to room 555 and that my appointment will be delayed by 10 minutes. I mean, I'm making this up. You tell me if this is just me dreaming here. But uh, using Kathleen's example, she's on the chatbot and that connectivity could be right from there. She can make the phone call. She doesn't have to switch the context or she could make the appointment through the chatbot or flip over to telemedicine and get on a video with a physician. Is that what you're talking about? That level of connectivity and seamless transition from point to point in that orchestrated journey? That's actually exactly what I'm talking about, Rich, which is, you know, just making sure that you are where your customer is, right? And delivering to them the, the personalized content kind of via the channel 
uh, where they currently are, right? And making sure that you're addressing all of those potential access points and eventualities, right? There absolutely will be patients or members that want that type of you know, feedback where they get a text um, when they enter a building and it tells them where to go, right? There will be customers who do not want that type of uh, hand-holding. There are those that will always default to picking up the phone first, and then there are folks like myself that will do anything they can to avoid picking up the telephone um, and, uh, you know, having to go through that process, right? So I think that the key point, right, and it, it, it's part of the challenge for, you know, healthcare companies, particularly legacy healthcare companies that have never really had to compete in this space in this manner before, but it's making sure that you're addressing all of those channels and that you've got connectivity between all of those potential access points so that you're delivering the experience that your customer is looking for with the understanding that each customer is an individual that has preferences and that they want you to know who they are, understand who they are, understand where they are in their own personal journey and augment that as opposed to asking them to basically change their journey to fit your process. I agree with absolutely everything you said. We have to deliver at the accepted um, ex the accepted experience at the access point that the patient wants, but I really want to underline that based on the patient's condition and what they're going through, this could change. So healthcare needs to be flexible. We need to be flexible and allow that. If I'm, you know, really sick and I'm in a very vulnerable position, that's when I may want to pick up. You may decide you want to talk to somebody, Tom, if you're not feeling really well. So I think we have to take this into consideration. And I do think this is what um, really increases the complexity within healthcare, you know, rather than a retailer where you don't have to think about those variances within a patient. But they're in, when patients are well, it's a different story than when they're sick or ill or having, you know, having just been given really, you know, horrible um, information about their condition. They're very vulnerable, so they may have different needs um, at different points in their healthcare journey. Well, maybe to bring it back to uh, some of the struggles that providers have today with this. To, to your point, uh, there are multiple different journeys that patients go through and they have different needs at different times. And so where some of the providers we work with, they're adopting point solutions and they're closing, you know, very, uh, you know, real near-term needs and hotspots, um, but they're putting it in, 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 into play in a way that doesn't give that flexibility to accommodate for that journey view. And so one of the messages to, that, uh, you know, I, I want to get across is in order to accommodate the, all of the different journeys and, and different requirements to meet patients where they need help the most, it's got to be done in a way that's built on a technology platform that can that can really account for different behaviors, different channels, different needs, the sophistication necessary to to be able to have that flexibility. Otherwise, providers are putting themselves in a situation where their systems of engagement become very brittle and don't share data. And what they'll find is, you know, after the hype and after the excitement of implementing those individual tools, they're not achieving the value that they had expected.
They're not realizing the business cases that they communicated to their leadership as to why they were moving forward. So really important to think of the platform approach towards engagement that can connect together data and can really be flexible in terms of meeting different journeys because of the complexity of healthcare. And Bill, you just took it where I was about to go next as well, which is where's all this information come from? You look at healthcare and interoperability is, is still a big problem that we're moving day by day forward to try to solve. You have to think about privacy and security tenfold when you're thinking about healthcare data and consumer data. So can we talk about that a little bit? Can we talk about where does all this information come from? And what's the role also as part of, if we're going to talk specifically about the technology and technology platforms, do some of the innovative healthcare technologies that are generating a lot of interest and a lot of, frankly, astonishing benefits to payers, providers, and patients, I'm thinking about things like artificial intelligence, which has gone from something that seemed like an interesting science experiment for 30 years. I'm old enough to remember Prologue in the 80s. All of a sudden, it's real. It's impacting our day-to-day lives in very transformative ways, and we're only at the beginning. So can we spend a little time talking about the interoperability, privacy, security, advanced healthcare technologies like AI, and fundamentally the platform question? Well, I would just start from the platform question. Uh, Our point of view on this is that, uh, reflecting on my previous comments, in order to um, achieve the benefits of a of consumer-driven uh, consumer experiences, consumer journeys, that digital transformation, that, that has to be approached from a systems point of view, a platform point of view, and it, and it needs to be built into a modern cloud-based scalable platform using modern um, you know, marketing automation, digital experience technologies that come together, and then these services that we're, we've been referring to that serve different points in the journeys delivered through that platform so that there's the flexibility to accommodate all the different scenarios. So I, I really think it begins with sort of stepping back, um, you know, and as the CIOs look across their organizations there and, and and look at the different quote-unquote platforms that they have in place. How are they thinking about it from a, a digital experience standpoint? And what is that platform? Because that platform has to be built to accommodate all of those requirements related to you know, channels of choice, related to surfacing content, all the things that we talked about uh, up to this point, um, so that they don't find themselves boxed into a very brittle situation in terms of their engagement solution. So to me, you know, there's a lot of considerations around data, privacy, security. And so, you know, the reason why we're bringing together these um, leaders in industry on this podcast today is because they represent really the best of the capabilities necessary to take take our provider organizations, take our payer organizations forward in this regard. I think uh, to add to something that builds just said, right, in terms of flexibility of the platform, right, and being able to utilize technology in healthcare that's being utilized in other industries. I think it's really important for for healthcare providers and other uh, members of the healthcare ecosystem to understand how quickly and rapidly the technology changes, right? So you definitely want to avoid getting into like Bill said, 
at a brittle situation that is difficult to adapt and change. And you also need to kind of change your mindset, right, in that you're never going to be done right, in terms of adopting new technologies and developing new and different um, content. Uh, you know, gone are the days where, you know, the, the, the marketing department in a, in, a, in a company, regardless of the industry, uh, you know, where you kind of have this checklist mentality of, well, okay, I've got my brochure, I've got my, you know, my CD, I've got my video, I've got, what, you know, my DVD, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I'm good to go, right? It, it's the content needs to be completely um, updated and refreshed and resident, resonant, and it needs to be delivered in new and different ways. And you always need to be anticipating kind of what that next change is going to be. That's where relying on you know, technology platforms like Bill mentioned that, that come from industry leaders is kind of the the, the safest investment that you can make because they're going to be anticipating those changes in technology um, for you, right? As opposed to, you, you know, you as a provider or a, a payer at attempting to do that yourself. Now, I, I also, Rich, I want to talk about the um, AI side of it, right? Because I think it, it, it's really fascinating in that um, it addresses kind of both sides of the healthcare coin, right? In that, you know, um, AI is being used on the clinical side, right, to help with diagnoses, um, you know, and to be able to get patients into care or on the care path faster, right, than would have been done uh, before. Um, it's being used to help personalize um, benefits packages and uh, care or treatment plans. It's being used to personalize uh, pharmaceuticals. Uh, but I think, you know, aside that's often overlooked is how AI actually can enable um, healthcare companies to engage in these kind of best marketing practices and these, these uh, consumer experience practices without necessarily having a team of marketers or having the experience or the expertise in order to truly engage right at a consumer specific level. Um, AI platforms allow you to automate kind of the delivery of the content and tracking of the orchestrated customer journey and making sure that the customer is moving in the path that you want them to and making the decisions that you want them to. Um, you know, because you understand who they are and you understand where they are in their own personal journey and you're delivering the experience that they're looking for. Uh, AI gives you kind of the power to do that without necessarily having a team of marketers with digital expertise at your disposal. Um, which, you know, most healthcare providers and uh, payers don't have those resources available to them. And so I think AI is actually a remarkable solution uh, to a problem in terms of uh, how do I capitalize on all of this great new technology for consumer experiences? Well, I actually allow the technology to help me do that. 
And what about the analytics aspect of this, and does AI play a role? What kind of insights, perhaps even new or never seen before insights, will providers be able to get from adopting a platform approach, orchestrating the patient journey, applying these technologies? What will they learn? We've talked about improving revenue. We've talked about improving the patient experience and 91 NPS scores. What will the providers learn that they haven't been able to learn before? So that's a good question. And it's really exponential. So essentially think of the current practice of going from hindsight uh, to insight and to foresight. So we're really looking at utilizing analytics, artificial intelligence, and all the tools that are available to be proactive with patient care, whether it's diagnosis or whether it's anticipating their needs. So it's really um, advanced analytics that's leading to new paradigms in the care that we're willing to um, able to offer to our patients. Anyone else want to take a stab at that? You know, I think on our side, um, you know, you've got obviously a lot of the AI on the clinical side. But some of the things we've seen on just in analytics is providers, we're learning things about um, consumer or healthcare decision making that we didn't know before in this type of experience. And so, you know, one of the things that, you know, we've witnessed, I think that were that runs counter to a lot of the trends that we thought was um, there was, a, we've seen that there was a, there was a long belief um, with consumers that what really drove them in a healthcare setting to volume was the provider groups that were acquired or purchased by the health system or by the quality metric scores that were displayed by the health system. And there was always an idea that you needed to buy this, um, say, particular um, provider group because they were in this neighborhood and you needed to capture these patients. And some of the data that we've seen just you know, over the last year is one, um, our average purchasers driving 64 miles from their home from to make purchases. And that's really for savings and the engagement standpoint and the fact that they feel that they have some type of choice. Um, the other thing that we're seeing, you know, when we, when we look at that NPS score is that it's not patients just purchasing, um, you know, on the transparency side because of lower cost, they might be going to the higher cost provider, the medium provider. But a lot of it is just that what we're seeing is, Patients felt that for the first time they had a choice in where they were going and not instead of being told where to go. And so we were seeing that type of information. But um, I think the other thing that's interesting is when you look at analytics, one thing that we've learned, which is outside the clinical side, but I think is important for providers in their, in their roadmap nonetheless, is you know, we, we look at the e-commerce data analytics that any other big company would. So we look at when you visited us, we tag your IP address. How many times did you come back before purchase? What was the abandoned cart ratios? Um, where did you go when you left our site? Where did you come from when you came to that site? And, and we started to look at that information. And what's really interesting is we compared data sets on 250,000 patients to the consumer electronics industry from an e-commerce purchase standpoint, the auto industry, the travel industry, and the healthcare industry. And what we found in the data set of looking at those consumers and, you know, ignoring all of our preconceptions about how a healthcare journey starts and ends and just looked at the data on how, the, how consumers were making that decision of purchasing, what we found was that in our experience, when you looked at days to purchase, number of times they came back to the site, um, average purchase price and visits, we fell right in the middle between travel and um, consumer electronics. 
And then what the, so what the data sort of showed about those patients was when given this information up front and, and displayed in an easy to understand fashion, we saw that consumers were making healthcare decisions essentially the same way they make any e-commerce decision. And it wasn't driven by networks and all this other data that we've been feeding them. And so that's a really, I think, telling story because what it means is, I think, from a provider standpoint, what those analytics means, and, and, I, and I talk about this frequently, is that what it shows is that in the future, I don't believe that the aggregator of healthcare lives is going to be the big insurer, or the aggregator is going to be the large employer-sponsored plan, or the aggregator is going to be the large health system or the networks they've built. But I think what this data is showing is, as we start to see more and more of it, these decisions are being made like another e-commerce purchase decision for all the reasons we talked about beforehand on this call. And that means that some of one of the large technology players or one of the large e-commerce players or one of the large consumer brand players, I believe, is going to enter this space because the market's so large and the consumer demand is so big. And they're going to become the aggregator of healthcare lives of that journey, which is going to be a completely different universe than we've operated in in the last 30 years. So that's one thing I would say on the direct consumer side that has been really interesting is just seeing how that purchase is being made in the, in the decision process. You also got me thinking about the other side of analytics and insights, which is the insights that the consumers will now be able to have. If you think about the financial sector and how we can take a look at our portfolio online and manage it and get all these insights that before maybe came in through snail mail envelopes, the consumer will be more empowered in terms of their overall health. And that gets me to, I have two more questions for the panel and then I'll release you from the pain. We're talking about the impact to the patient experience and the impact to providers, but what about patient outcomes. What role does this orchestrated journey have? What role will it play, can it play, in terms of improving care quality and improving patient health? Well, I'll talk about one example that we've been working on with a number of our providers, which is the radiology journey. And just to bring it back to um, bringing together the e-commerce side and the clinical side. So, a lot of, you know, for every 100 radiology exams, somewhere between 3 and 5% of those patients will have a secondary finding. Uh, you know, they go in for an exam because there's a problem with their shoulder and a lung nodule will be found, et cetera. And those incidental findings have typically been uh, hard to track and follow up on. And so there's, there's a lot of um, information out there about the problems and the downstream effects on care. So bringing this back to the orchestrated experience, where we're helping create these journeys that manage across these different steps is based on the incidental finding information. We use our, our data and our, our technology to identify that in the clinical record. That becomes a trigger for the digital experience platform that can then sort of very personalized in HIPAA appropriate ways, outreach to referring physicians, then sequencing it to the patients and and drive uh, behavior through those digit and close those gaps in that digital communication. And then the next step is the patient needs to come back in for another exam. And so this is where the e-commerce component comes into play to help the patient understand their out-of-pocket responsibility to be able to purchase that radiology exam if they're, if they're going to be responsible to pay for that, then to help schedule that exam and, and really bring, make that journey from incidental finding to 
follow-up care as smooth and seamless as possible. And the results that we're showing on components of that with our providers is that it's a dramatic increase in the follow-through on incidental findings relative to where we previously started. So again, I think that there's a huge win here bringing together e-commerce with clinical information and data and doing it in a way that follows that journey. That's what's transformative. And we're very excited about these capabilities that we're bringing out. So my final question to the panel, what are the next steps for providers who have heard this conversation and want to reinvent their health system for the digital age? Well, certainly we would love to speak to those providers and, you know, engage them in their digital transformation and share with them how we can help and facilitate that, learn from them and provide our our information best practices and technologies that can make that possible. So there's a variety of ways through the um, information in the podcast to follow up with with our company as well as um, Microsoft, Adobe, and MD Save, and what we can do together for our um, for providers and payers. Yeah, and I would kind of bring it down a little more, kind of personally for the uh, for the providers and the provider systems too. I mean, I think a fundamental first step, right, is the recognition of a need to change. Acknowledge, you know, uh, acknowledgement of a willingness to change the way that they've been doing business and then adopting a patient first or a customer first mentality, which, you know, for the provider themselves, the ones that are in the doctor's offices or, or the, the healthcare professionals themselves, you know, adopting that patient centered approach is not hard, right? Or they're already there. It's the um, the marketers and the administrators and the folks that uh, are delivering upon the technology, uh, you know, for the creation of a uh, personalized patient journey or a personalized patient experience. They're the ones, right, that need to really acknowledge that they've got to put the individual patient first, deliver to them what the patient is looking for, when they're looking for it via the channel where that patient is. And they need to start thinking about patients as individuals with personal needs and personal journeys versus the kind of one size fits all approach to, uh, uh, you know, digital experiences that they that they have now. Kathleen, Paul, any parting shots? Yeah, I agree with all that, but I would also add in addition that organizations need to understand that this potentially could be a change that impacts their entire culture and different way of thinking. I've been in healthcare for way many years, and I realize that sometimes it can be difficult to make those types of changes. So there may need to be some introspection within these organizations for the realization of what they need to do to change their culture in order to make this really a patient experiential first so that they have that understanding and that so that their employees can actually kind of work to that culture and be empathetic with their patients as they're moving through their journey. Paul Ketchell from MD Save, you get the last word. Now, I would add one last thing, which is um, <clears throat> when you talk when you talk about those administrators and those folks making those decisions, is that you know it's a change is difficult in healthcare, and for all the reasons we just discussed, even on the last point. And uh, but I would say you know have courage in leading on this topic because 
this is going to happen now and and we're here on that bell curve and, and these changes are coming and what i would say to providers is that you know there's a real opportunity for those who engage early to be there there are going to be winners and losers in this paradigm shift as there's as there has been in every industry that's been digitized over the last you know 25 years and so the idea is one you can improve your provider experience you can improve your patient experience and at the same time there's a there's really an opportunity to grow and expand your footprint and and have a competitive edge in making these changes where um, versus being drug into those changes and I, I would say you know think about the retailers I'm sure there was a lot of fear for the first you know outside of what happened in the book industry I'm sure that the uh, retail industry had a lot of fear of Amazon in different areas and you had early adopters who, who pivoted towards that model and how they were going to you know operate in this um, new economy and 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 they survived and you saw other big box retailers fall by the wayside and so I think for providers you know we're we're reaching that point in that paradigm where this change is going to happen and so you know it's 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 an opportunity um, to really grow and the change is tough but I think that this change is essential for the way the type for the type of consumer and the type of patient that we have moving forward they're going to demand these changes and so the faster you embrace is probably better for your organization We've been talking about reinventing the health system for the digital age with Tom Swanson with Adobe, Kathleen McGraw with Microsoft, Paul Ketchell with MD Save, and Bill Krause with Change Healthcare on the Change Healthcare podcast. Thanks for listening. And if you'd like more information on this topic, check the show notes for links to resources and contact information about how you can reinvent your health system for the digital age. I'm Rich Levin, and thanks for listening.